Jeff Ogilvy survives Wingfoot. Now the moment Aaron Badley has waited. Curry Webb is the five-time Australian Open champion. Golf at its best by one of the best in golf, Peter Thompson. Stand in front of a crowd like this today and win the PGA Championship is pretty special. He's done it at last. Greg Norman. Jones gets his name on the Stonehaven Cup. Leash been to 11 under. Now we've got a new leader, kids. Here is Adam Scott, a life changer. Coming up next, you have unrestricted access to golf across Australia and the world. Thanks to Golf Australia, we're going inside the ropes. Subscribe now on iTunes or your favourite podcast app or head to golf.org.au. Welcome to Inside the Ropes, episode number 143, a special edition coming at you live and probably interrupted by a lot of ground staff here uh, right at 13th Beach. Uh, that's That noise in the background just really sets the tone for this very loose podcast as we intend to start and finish. John Huggan, welcome along. Welcome back to Australia. Nice to be here. Thanks. One of our regular visitors on Inside the Ropes and to the country to cover tournaments. I know this is one of your favourites. Absolutely. This is... Uh this was Scottish weather today in a, on a Scottish-type golf course as well. I love it. Come on, Huggy. It never gets this warm in Scotland. <laughs> no, no, no. This, this is like, um, yeah, you're right. <laughs> <laughs> but it has got that sort of cloudy sort of overtone now, which is I think it was going to hang around for the next couple of days. More like smoke, actually, from the fires. So yeah. I thought still with all those people suffering from the fires. Uh, before I get to my other co-host here, I do want to apologise to all those who hang out to hear John Huggins roughies <laughs> that we didn't get a <laughs> we didn't get a chance to do a podcast pre-tournament so we don't get to hear your roughies not only do I not know what, who my roughies are I don't know what roughies are <laughs> <laughs> uh, which brings us nicely to our it doesn't really just brings us to you Rod Murray our co-host welcome along again mate thank you very much fantastic to be with you guys as always Hazy always a joy and a treat and in fact a privilege to be honest with you to be on Inside the Ropes regular God, listener like he leaves it on thick doesn't he Jeez. he does yes. oh my goodness I'm a freelancer <laughs> <laughs> money talks loudly everywhere it talks louder in my world than most places now, Rod as most of our listeners will know is the uh, host and champion of a lot of other podcasts around Australia not least of which is the Good Good Golf Podcast Good Good Golf Podcast uh, if you're not listening to it, do yourself a favour. That's the last plug I can give good. you. It is good, 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 <laughs> good. Good square. <laughs> Boys, uh, we are here right at the end of play on day one at the ISPS Hander Vic Open at 13th Beach. We've seen a ripping day of golf. Um, some amazing storylines. It always throws up cracking stories. I'm not sure which way we want to go first. We may as well go with the men and then we'll come to the women in a second. Is that a reasonable? Sold. Yeah, Let's I'm, do it. I'm with you. We sat and watched uh, some incredible scoring early this morning, uh, mostly out on the creek course. And then lo and behold, as always is the journalist curse, <laughs> all copy was thrown out <laughs> with 10 minutes to play as Alejandro Canizares. I don't know how I pronounce that, Huggy. That's, that's, Spanish. that's as good as I can do. So. <laughs> Roared past the field with a nine under. Incredible 63 on the creek course here today to take the lead on a, on a, on a pretty epic first day of golf, Rod. Well... Conditions were perfect, as you said. The creek course tends to play the easy here. We've seen that historically. It was the case again today. As you point out, it looked for all money all day like seven under was going to be leading the tournament. Nobody really did anything in the afternoon except for Canizares. We don't know a lot about him. I think Huggy knows more than most of us. His father is a very famous European tour player, four-time Ryder Cupper, and he may have been 
the victim of your first interview or first feature as a golf <laughs> writer. Huggy, is that uh, true? I'm going to go back 33 years. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Wow. <laughs> I went to the Spanish PGA Championship in Madrid to do two things, uh, a feature story on Jose Maria Canizares and an instruction piece with Jose Maria Alathabal. And I ended up watching Seve play the first round of the tournament. He shot 64, went out in 29, wow. missed two short putts. Wow. 29, so it was quite a week for me. Well, not, not unlike Canizares, who had a bogey and 10 birdies in that 9 under 63, which yeah. is just extraordinary. Reminiscent of his father, by the way. His father was a, had an extraordinary habit of going on streaks of birdies and really low scores. He was very erratic, his dad, but he when he went low, he went really went low and, and wasn't afraid, obviously, to make six, seven, eight birdies and 10 holes or whatever. Is it a Latin American thing, Huggy? Is it, we see that with Cabrera has been the same. Uh, Romero made those 10 birdies at Canusti in the Open that yeah. year. That, they seem to be guys who aren't afraid. If they start going low, they don't get the fear. They yeah. just keep going We're low. getting into stereotypes a little bit. We but are, yeah. But you're right. I mean, the, the, the stereotype is that their temperaments are up and down, and, and that tends to reflect the way they play golf yeah. as well. When they get it going, they really get it going. Yeah, indeed. Alejandro told us just a few minutes ago that he, you know, he's back basically after three years in the doldrums with injuries and the birth of his daughter uh, Sienna, I believe. Um, so he, he's, he's still got the, the the desire, the burning, the ambition to play on tour. He told us after 12 or 13 years out there grinding without a lot of success, it has to be said, and he knows that he has to be here to um, justify any attack of the uh, the rankings or the the categories, I suppose, on, with his European yeah. tour card. So tough to carry a family name, I think, Huggy. Do you think in a in a sport like golf, um, can be a little bit? I mean, uh, I mean, it, in golf in Spain is not huge even now, so um, I bet he could walk down the street, you know, in any city of Spain and not be recognised. Mm. So. You know, it's probably not as big a deal as we yeah. think it is. Within golf, I imagine, yeah. though, he yeah. constantly yeah. runs well, into people. Yeah. We, we started by talking about his father, so yeah. we've added to the yeah. to the stereotype. It's true. And then the, he he went past boys. He went past, uh, well, uh, uh, I don't want to call Matt Griffin an old stager. <laughs> mm. he he's not a young be. gun, though, is he? No, he's not a young gun. He's in that in-between yeah. stage of his career. But a past winner down here at 13th Beach, Matt Griffin, um, a brilliant 65 to start today. And he was joined, he was in the morning, and he was joined uh, not long after by three of the genuine young guns who, we've, who have coming up uh, hard on the heels of the, the champions that we have uh, on the tours overseas who aren't here. And they're desperate to make amends, or not amends, make a make the mark, I think, yeah, yeah. blaze a trail here because yeah. I think that they see that not only is the lo you know, lofty prize money here on offer, but... Uh, the chance to get a European tour card for some of these guys is is really first and foremost. So it's a massive week for Huge. these guys. I mean, the the field, the men's field, you know, the the and the back of three weeks in the Middle East, it was never going to get the strongest mm -hmm. star names pitching up this week so there's, there's a huge opportunity yeah. if you win here you get the rest of this year and next year exempt on the european tour for young guys and in, in the position that these guys are in right now that is massive and a lot of a lot of people know a lot about jake mcleod right already uh he's he's already started to mm -hmm. become synonymous in the or you know well recognized in the australian golf community but travis Smythe and justin warren two two sydney siders not perhaps so much uh, no, well, Trav, uh, Trav certainly probably more so in New South Wales, contended at the New South Wales Open the back end of last year. He's been lurking. If you follow golf closely, you'll have seen his name. He's been on the Asian Tour the last couple of years. Building a career really nicely, it has to be said. Absolutely. The, the trajectory is good. He's not done anything stunning to this point, but he's done enough to convince that he's going to be a good career player. Justin Warren is a less-known entity. He, too, bobbed up at the New South Wales Open last year, and I didn't know much about him at the time. 
beautiful golf swing. It has to be said. If you <laughs> oh, yeah. get the chance to go and have a look at Justin Warren, delightful action. Works with Gary Barter. He was impressive in that New South Wales Open when he got into the mix. As an unknown, you expect, because the storyline generally goes, guy realises deep on the back nine, oops, I didn't realise I was here. I don't know what to do. He didn't. He really finished it off. So... I would expect we might see something very good from Justin Warren this week. They're four of the nice guys of Australian golf. They are. Smith, Smythe, McLeod, Griffin and Justin Warren. Matt Griffin in particular has been around for a while, as you said. Uh, really, really good guy. Plays regularly on the Japan Tour. Would give him an interesting decision to make if he yep. was to get up this week, mm. whether to stay in Japan or go to Europe. It really would. Young family... Do you want to pack it up and yeah. take it to Europe? <laughs> That's right. Do you want to stay basically well, in your own time you zone? You can play the European Tour from, from Melbourne. Yeah. I mean, Marcus Fraser, Marcus did, it Fraser did it for a long time. Yeah. It used to be the case that, mm. you know, in, back in Mike Clayton's day, you went over there and you stayed for four or five months. Probably by boat back in Mike Yes. Day, <laughs> or, yeah, by <laughs> Yeah, that's right. But, uh, Marcus, proved, you know, he, he did it in like four-week chunks, I think, and then he would be home for two weeks and, and then do it again. I mean, that sort of can be done. I thought it still was Mike Clayton's day. <laughs> well, <laughs> he's having a second or a third career, I think. I wouldn't, I wouldn't believe everything he tells you. <laughs> Just on Jake McLeod, I did mm. tell you this the other day. Uh, when he shot 61 here, I think it was two years ago in the first round on the creek course, uh, and had a very good finish that week. He told us that he'd found a gelato shop early in the <laughs> week and was getting an ice cream there every day, and he was convinced that was the secret. I bumped into him yesterday, and he'd been here for two days, and the shop had been closed. But he just had a text to say they'd opened yesterday. He was he was rushing off to get a gelato. Obviously, it worked. We'll have to find out the name of the place uh, if he's still hanging around on Sunday. It's amazing but, how many of the players who come here, men's and women's, who who have got a little quirky favourite thing on the Ballerine mm-hmm. Peninsula that they love coming back for. A dinner thing's not uncommon, is it, Huggy? Players will That's go to the same place typical. every day and eat the yeah. same meal, and yeah. they're, they're convinced that there's something in it. So. I've actually experienced that with the aforementioned Mr. Clayton. He he's the the master of he finds a place on. Tuesday and we're there every night for the rest of the week. And he probably eats the same thing. Well, I do, but he doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> Bad for the game. So let's uh, let's work through the leaderboard yep. quickly here. Uh, Aaron Cockrell of the of those. Oh, so Canizares was at nine under. Griffin, McLeod, Smythe, and Warren all at seven. At six under, a little known Canadian who plays on the European tour, Aaron Cockrell. Uh, is one of a host of players here. We've got uh, eight people, I believe. T6 at six under the cards. Aaron Cockrell, uh, Brad Kennedy, who's just in the richest vein of form in a, in a pretty good career. Uh, Minwoo Lee, who today staggered me. I said to Huggy halfway through his round, I reckon he's blown his chances. And lo and behold, he just rips apart the, the front nine on the creek course to finish with a 66. Andrew Martin, who's in good form also, particularly on the Pro-Am circuit around the Australian PGA Tour. Jed Morgan, the newly crowned Australian amateur champion. And Zach Murray, who is as crook as three dogs stabled together. He is sick <laughs> as, and he what is also six under. I, I, want, I just want to mention, I'm, I neglected a name there, Andrew Evans, another Sydney sider, mm-hmm. who flashed into our conscience yep. five, four? The last, it was 2015 Australian Master, the one that Peter okay. Senior won. Yeah, and, and he, was, he was, do you remember the story well? He, well, he was right there. I think he... From memory, he might have qualified he did. on the Monday, and then he was leading or co-leading after the first one. No one had ever heard of him, and again, expected him to go away. But come Sunday afternoon, he was right there. I think he might have... And he, and he imploded late. Yes. After being a real flag bearer for uh, the you know rock. unknowns yeah. for a, such a long time. And he admitted that today, and he actually... 
said today, I thought, geez, I'm going well, I'm eight under. And he hit the hard, he played the creek courses on the 18th, hit the front of the green in two and four putted on his last hole. Um, and he just thought, oh, he had a first little look at the leaderboard. Oh. And he was just, an, he, he's a delightful young bloke. He's a lovely bloke. He's a lovely he fella. Hard work. the best for him. He's yep. come out of the pro shop. He's done his traineeship. I yep. uh, just hope that it can all come together for him over 72 yep. holes. 101 players under par. Is that right? 101 players under par. Yeah. Yeah. I must admit, it's hard to get too excited at this yep. point, though, because yep. we don't really know who's leading until no, tomorrow that's night. Right. That's right. There's two courses involved. So, you know. Good point. Robin Sio Segrest from France. Uh, I think that was <laughs> You the have best. made an absolute meal of that, and not a French meal either. Uh, Sio Segrest, yeah. I checked with the European uh, team. It's, it's probably Robin, too, is it? I'm not sure about that. I was only concentrating on the surname. Uh, let's quickly work through the rest of the leaderboard. Sorry, Huggies, I stand on your foot. Yeah. Derek Ackerman will best Jonathan Caldwell is an interesting story. We'll hear more about him tomorrow, Huggy, yeah. I reckon. Sean Crocker, Jared Felton, Nick Flanagan, Ryan Fox, Ash Hall, Simon Hawks, Michael Hendry, Steve Jeffress, and a little unknown bloke called Jeff Ogilvy, among mm. a million others, also on five under. Jeff Ogilvy eagled the last, Huggy. He did. Yeah, I mean, unusually for him on a par five. He's not, <laughs> not known for his prowess on par fives normally, but that was, yeah. And I spoke to him at the end, uh, as you did, and uh, he sounded... Pretty confident. He didn't sound like he was that surprised by this. So, you know, I'll keep an eye on him this week. The way he had a glint in his eye when he spoke about the iron in <laughs> yes, three second yes, shots yes, of the 18th, yeah, didn't he? Best he'd hit for a long time. Oh. Obviously, you like the look of it in the air, obviously. He yeah. said, he told me he was behind a little bump and he, he wanted to hit a three iron, but he had to hit a four iron to get over the bump. And he flushed it so well that it yeah. carried the he distance. He used the, the word three. compress, which oh, is yeah, always a good yeah, thing. Yeah. You know, good yeah. players only need one swing, don't they? Again, a whole career can turn yeah. around on one swing That's like true. that to feel That's good. He yeah. is one of those. And, it would, and we talked about it earlier, but it would be just as big a thing for Jeff Ogilvy at this point it, yeah, to win and get back <laughs> on the European <laughs> tour. Great story. Of the uh, bigger names that we haven't mentioned so far, Jason Scrivener's at four under. Uh, where are we here? Hao Tong Lee, the uh, Chinese, the top-ranked player in the field at number 79. He finished at three under. Uh, Peter Lono, who was also very sick earlier in the week, he's three under the card. Dimi Papadatos, a past champion at three under. The list goes on. There's some great scores. Blake Windred at three under. Um, a fan, well, many of us on this program are a fan of his. Marcus Fraser at two. Anyone else you want to mention as I scram down? Lucas Herbert at two under, who described that as frust- a frustrating day. Looked to be hitting a great. Almost got on roll. Didn't quite... But no damage done, he said, at minus two. He was off the range to work. And I, th- I still think he is the player to watch uh, in this field. He, he, he's got an attitude about him this week, I feel. I think that's a fair comment. The surprise for me is Anthony Quayle. I had him as a contender here this week. He was three over today. Um, he'll be disappointed with that. Dylan Perry, another on the J- Japan Tour along with, uh, with Quayley. Uh, five over, he won't be happy the with Japan that one either. Japan there's something in the water up there. Australians up there, they're going well up there, but going fantastically when they come home. They are. Uh, let's take a quick break, and we're going to come back and discuss the women's field on the other side of this. Welcome back to Inside the Ropes, special edition number 143, live from 13th Beach here at the ISPS Hand of Vic Open, uh, joined by Rod Murray and John Huggan. As we now discuss the women's results today from day one, uh, I guess we could look at this in, in many different ways. We're not going to see many Australian flags on the leaderboard. That'd be one way of looking at it. But we're going to see a couple of really informed players at the top of the leaderboard, Rod. Madeline Sagstrom won her first LPGA event just two weeks ago. She was here in Australia last year. Uh, she could have and maybe should have won the Australian Open last mm-hmm. year. I was up at Bonville two weeks after that when she played up there. 
She should have won that. She was clearly the class player in the field. She has all the shots. She's got all the tools. She just needed to learn how to get over the line. She did that two weeks ago, and bang, here she is all of a sudden. Fantastic player. And she's one of those, you get the feeling, one win will open the floodgates. It's a cliche hugging. They're cliches for it, but she's that type of player. She's knocked on the door for a long time. Uh, I was very impressed with her at Bonville, and she did it easy today. Pars on the two par fives to end her first nine, which was the back nine on the creek, which players of that level find just offensive and still top of the leaderboard at seven under. Yeah, I'm sure my old pal Katrina Matthews watching with interest from <laughs> somewhere north of here. Um, Selheim Cup captain. So, um, she got a captain's pick, I think, in her rookie season on the LPJ section. and acquitted herself beautifully in that mm -hmm. Selheim Cup, if I recall. So yeah. impressed with her. And Hey G Kang, uh, young Korean player who has... Uh, ties to Australia, we know. Did a couple of years of high school up at uh, Rabina in Queensland. But I think you've got the best story about H.E. Kang, Hazy, which yeah. you told the other day. It's a cracker. Uh, she's a lovely lady, H.E. Kang. Um, she thinks of Australia as her second home, as is understandable, having been such a prominent junior Australian golfer. Australian junior here. champion, yeah, too. Two times Queensland junior champion. Yeah, so. no, really, a really pleasant young lady. And, and she's had a, quite a history with the Vic Open. And I think this is one of the great stories, Huggy. Uh, she was playing along. She actually was leader and probably expected to win as the highest-ranked player at the time. In the last time the Vic Open was played at Spring, Spring Valley, Valley yeah. in uh, suburban Melbourne, uh, probably six or seven years I'm ago. I'd say now, 2012 maybe. or 13. Would yeah. Be, I guess. Uh, and she'd been overtaken by Joanna Clatton, the French woman. And as uh, Kang missed a chance on the 17th, the party started for Clatton, who'd finished and was now a two-shot leader with a very tough uphill par four to finish. And a couple of Clatton's mates poured a couple of beers south in the clubhouse as they started to toast the victory. Of I think I first, can see what's her coming. First here. Win here. <laughs> you can just get it. As the second pint was to her lips for Joanna Clatton, the big roar came as <laughs> Heiji Kang hold, an out, hold out an eagle from 150 metres. Uh, so they were forced to go with a, to a playoff, and I'm pretty sure that... Uh, that uh, Joanna Clatton probably blew about 0 0.04 as she teed off, but she did <laughs> enough to get the chocolates and relegate Hygie to second. So Kang, Kang remembered that story today, Rod, when we when we she broached did. it with her. It was quite funny. And um, agreed that she should have played a little bit slower, let Clatton maybe have a third, and who knows whether the playoff might have gone the other way. I bet that, that would be reminiscent of John Daly's face when Rocker holds the yeah. putt through the Valley of Sin at the Open at St Andrews. Yeah, That's so. very true. Yeah. yeah uh, so, so they're both tied, Hygie Kang and Madeline Sagstrom at eight under the card. Uh, Pai and Chien, Chien. Chien, Taiwanese player. Of uh, Taiwan. Late, late charge from her. Late charge. Uh, Hayley Moore, who's going to be a crowd favourite here, I think pretty much throughout her year on the LPGA Tour. She's a newcomer to the tour. Um, First event this week. Yeah, yeah. A collegiate rock star at the end of her career. Very much. Hold the putt to win the NCAA title. And the stories emerged not long after. I think most of us who are golf fans would have seen that on social mm. media. Emerged the stories afterwards that she'd been bullied and taunted for the yeah. bulk of her life. She's a tall girl uh, and has had, has, had, has, has had issues with her weight. Uh, you'd think golf was a sanctuary, but apparently even in golf, uh, she was taunted and whatnot. Quite. I interviewed her yesterday. Delightful young lady, yeah. softly spoken. I watched her chipping around the chat. What a pair of hands she yeah. has. She's been picked by some as a, a real player to watch of the future, and I think she's proved that today. Seven under par. This is her first trip outside of America without her parents. She's been to Australia twice before to play the Masters. Yeah, she was nervous yesterday about being here, let alone the first tee. Her very first start as an LPGA professional realises a lifelong dream. Got through the, all three stages of the Q School to get a cut. It really is the full story, this Hayley Moore, and uh, I think she's a genuine player to watch. She's a beauty. Uh, and they were the, the third person on that seven-under figure, one behind the leaders. There's another Swede, Linnea Strom, Linnea Strom, 
who is a strapping young woman. She's uh, Today was the first time she's played a second tournament. She started here last year, so her first round of her second year on the LPGA Tour, and she said, it's great to come back to a place that I'm familiar with. For the first time on my LPGA career, I'm playing somewhere where I know. Uh, <laughs> so I, I expect that she'll go from strength to strength. It wouldn't be surprising to see another Swede. Yeah, uh, I, I actually saw her play up close last year. She was in the same group when I caddied for Mrs. Matthew in this event last year. Uh, Lena Strom was uh, one of the other two players. And she didn't get in touch to offer you the gig this year? Funnily you, enough, you it, well, she's um, <laughs> she's getting too old, she tells me. Not so. not Katrina, Linnea. Oh, she wasn't, no, she wasn't well, impressed no. enough with your performance. Well, clearly not. No, <laughs> no. Oh, well, I, I think you know, we, we, there's some great stories we've already mentioned there in the women's field, and, and there's a heap of players at six under the card who have great stories. Christina Kim charged home in the, in the tougher conditions this afternoon to finish six under alongside Dana Finkelstein, Tiff Joe, Cheyenne Knight, Giu Lin, uh, Pornanong Patlam, uh, Clara Spilkova and Pavarisa Yuktan. Yuktuan. Uh, Don't look at me when you... <laughs> yeah, that's a, t- that's, a, that's a tough one there. It a is a tie one. I hadn't really thought about that one too much. But the clear story of the day from a heart string sort of perspective is... Dame Laura Davies. Damo, as she's known, in some quarters, <laughs> not a million miles from where I'm sitting. Disgraceful. All, all disgraceful. Inside the Ropes <laughs> listeners know the story of Damo Huggy. It was the greatest, you know, first question ever in an, in an interview that I've seen. Damo, how good was that? <laughs> Pretty good. Bit rough. I apologise, Laura. I know you're she's a big spe- fan of the podcast. She's special, isn't she, Huggy? Laura Davies. Uh, she is a special oh, personality empire. Absolutely, and has been for a long time. Um, she's not had the best of times recently. She hasn't played in competitively in six months because uh, her mother was sadly ill and then passed away just before Christmas. Um, so this is our longest break. I mean, Laura's, Laura played every week. So yeah. six months off must have been, that must feel like 10 years to Laura. But uh, good on her. I mean, she's back, and she gave a lot of credit to her caddy, Rebecca Artis, who is retired now, but uh, she read all the putts. Mm-hmm. That's always been a weakness for Laura's apparently. Yeah. She can hit the ball, as we all know, but reading the putts is I not I went out to watch Madeline Sagstrom, who was playing with Laura Davies, and we arrived at the 18th green of the Creek courses they did, and Laura hold a putt from six feet. I nearly sent out a tweet, because it's been a long time <laughs> since that yeah. happened, and you haven't seen it. She's 56 years old, Huggy, and honestly, she still plays the game as well as anybody from Well, she was always going to, because she was so long compared with everybody else, she was always going to be able to lose some distance as she got older and still be able to play at this level as long as she could putt. And on days like this where she does putt, she's, she could still win. I mean, you know, it's not it's not too outrageous to imagine that she'll be up there somewhere at the end if the putting continues. She didn't think she could win. Well, she's saying that. <laughs> That's right. She's saying that for our benefit, yeah. but what's going on inside her head, I bet you she's thinking... She oh, teased us the I same way last it. year. I think she had, she had yeah, a, she had one a, good a blistering first round last yeah. year. And we all said, oh, do you think you can do it? She said, oh, well, you never know. So this yeah. year she's I saying, mean, no, yeah. not a chance. I mean, you know, it's if, unlikely, you're, if you're going with... Yeah, you'd bet against it, yeah. but, you know, I'm, go with your heart. Yeah. You want yeah, it to happen. We love sport because they're great stories, Huggy, and that'd yeah. be a great story if Laura it, Davies happened to, uh, yeah. to get across the line. So all those women just mentioned at six under, chasing the leaders at eight under. We have to go down to five under, Rod, to find the leading Australian contender, and it's an amateur. Another New South, well, I was going to say Welshman, but let's go with Welsh woman here, shall we? In uh, Steph Kiriakou, who's a cracking young lady. Yeah, I don't need to tell you. If personality was worth shots, she'd be at the top of the leaderboard. She really yeah. is a fantastic... She's a good player, but she's an even better person. Correct. Uh, she really enjoys 
being able to play and coming to these big events. That's a really good round of golf for her. If you think about the Australian names that we all talked about at the start of the week, Green, Hannah Green, Minji Lee, uh, right up the top there. Sue O will be disappointed with her round of one over today. Steph Kiriakou wouldn't have expected herself to be there. We wouldn't have expected her to be there. We just saw her before we came in here. It, you wouldn't have known whether she'd had a good round because she was beaming. Yeah. But she's always beaming. Yeah. Uh, she's a terrific young lady. Yeah, I, I really wish her. I hope she goes really well this week. She is a really... And that's... That's an improvement. She's a she's improved this year. Her golf. She was oh, big time. She wasn't this good last year. Put and, it that way. And she's sitting there watching Grace Kim win a series yeah. of tournaments in the past few weeks, close firsthand, watching a good mate of hers just mm -hmm. take the cherries and pick them away from she's her. She's off to Augusta National Women's Amateur. She's yep. a US Amateur qualifier. And she's done everything. And they're all going to the Women's Amateur Asia Pacific. Yeah. I don't even know. The, the WARP. <laughs> yeah. The worst yeah. named tournament in the world of golf. Yeah. Uh, so, that you know, it's, it's important that she does that. Um, and great... All these names I'm about to mention, I'm going to skip over a few apologies, mm -hmm. but some of these were made in the afternoon when the scoring was tougher. Uh, Zhang Lee, six, made four under to finish just one back from Steph Kiriakou. Uh, Herjin Choi did likewise. Ian Cho did similarly. And then there's the next Australian is Hannah Green, who for the longest time in her round today, Rod, I think really didn't have much going on, but finished at three under. It struck me when I watched NB Park, who finished at two under, and she looked awful all day, Huggy, NB Park. Mm. Truly awful. But this is what the really good players do. They look awful, and they shoot two under. Hannah didn't look awful, but she didn't look good. But you add them up at the end, she's had three under. That, that's the mark of a truly good player, and that's a very impressive round for her. She won't be happy with that score. She'll look at the leaders and feel like she should have had three or four better. But if it's likely that'll be her worst day this week. Not only has she not done any damage, I think she's in it, as is Minji Lee at three under. So to me, that's an important round of golf for Hannah Green. Yeah, you're right. Being players at that level, they normally get better every day. And it's, it's early in the season as well. Sure. We have to take that into account. I mean, there, there'll be some rust uh, accumulated over the holiday season and whatnot. But, um, yeah, I mean, if we can assume that they get better every day, they'll be up there somewhere yeah, at yeah. the end. And Hannah's first time in Australia since winning a major, which is a huge deal, really, but she carries that little bit of extra pressure, as does Lucas Herbert, coming off a win two weeks ago. He spoke about it at his press conference. It's harder to come home and play than you might think. You've got all the support, but that's its own sort of pressure in a way. So I full marks to Hannah Green. I think that's a very impressive round of golf from her today. Here, here. Minji Lee, as you said, Rod, three under. Paige Stubbs, uh, fantastic round for a young Victorian there, also to finish three under. Of the other Australians, Robin Choi is uh, two under. Probably a surprise packet that she's above a couple of others. But Sarah Kemp, uh, back to a tournament that she so nearly won last year. Uh, she finished at two under, probably let a couple go late in her round. Catherine Kirk battled hard to finish at one under. Steph Nahr, uh, similarly, and here in Avid from Western Australia, all at one under the card. Um, again, some incredible scoring as my computer packs up in front of me here. 77 women under par, That's my calculation. Gonna, yeah. Just, uh, just not quickly on Hira Naveed, another West Australian product, completely overlooked, obviously, Minji Lee and Hannah Green. Only turned professional at this sort of end of last year. Had a very impressive college career. She hasn't done it yet. She made the cut at the men's WA Open after qualifying mm. off the same tees as a teenager about four or five years ago. She's a really impressive player who just hasn't got her start yet. She, she had a miss at Q School at the end of last year. 
but that's a name to remember. Hyra Naveed, she's quite capable of doing something special. Uh, and was a multiple player of the month in her conference in college golf in uh, in the United States. So she's done well. Um, Karis Davidson finished at one under alongside Suo you mentioned Is earlier. Scotland's Karis Davidson? Yeah. Um, I think that if she's shot over par... <laughs> it Huggy, depends yeah, on the score, could, Huggy. Could be Scotland's today, I'm not sure. Uh, <laughs> Uh, of the other of the other other Aussies, you mentioned Sue O Rod. Um, I think that uh, it's hard to say. You, you can't really write her off because she's capable of such brilliance, but she's a long way back there. She really is. With the scoring as low as that we saw today, if we get similar conditions tomorrow, that is an awfully big hurdle to yeah. overcome. As you say, she has got the talent to do it. We know that. And we've been waiting for Sue to really start showing that talent and, and living up to the talent that she's got for a while. But that's going to take a very big effort. First step for her, Huggy, make the cut. Well, she's going to be on the creek tomorrow, am I right? I think so, yeah. Yeah, I mean, you know, she's shooting 66 there tomorrow. She's going to be four or five behind yeah. with two rounds to go. I mean, that's... She, she needs to right shoot there. 66. Yeah, I mean, you assume 66, I mean, she's fine. Yeah. So. You're a glass half full sort of a guy, Huggy. I love that about you. <laughs> yeah, you know me. He's Scottish. <laughs> Happy go lucky. That's right. <laughs> Geo Shin's another at one over the card. And a couple of uh, past champions here. I think Mel Reed finished even with the card. Uh, Marianne Scarpnor was one over. I think Stacey Lewis, probably in her first round back for quite a while, was also one over the card. Uh, Beatrice Riccari, a pretty prominent player on the LPGA Tour for quite a while. Uh, two over the card. Kari Webb on the same score. Probably just a little bit of tournament rust, I think, there for Kari. Couldn't really get it going. Um, and all the others, I think Sarah Jane Smith um, back as a, as, a, as a new mum as well to young Theo. Second tournament back. So. Yeah, five over the card along with Whitney Hillier and Tanya Ravenjack of, of the, the Aussies um, most notable. I think yeah. the, um, the, the, perhaps the biggest surprise is Penilla Lindbergh. Um, you know, a major winner two years ago. Um, she's a regular visitor to Australia. Loves this tournament. She'll be disappointed. I didn't know that she'd shot seven over when she walked past me. You'd never know. She's so bright and bubbly and cheery. But she's definitely played a way out of contention there at seven over. Even 66 isn't going to help. <laughs> Not even Huggy can find some sunshine or a silver lining on the edge of Sorry. that cloud. I, would, I just wanted to get your thoughts on this very quickly, Huggy. It seems that we see this each year at this tournament. There wasn't a lot of breeze this afternoon, but it doesn't take much to make this course play almost two shots harder, it seems. There was some good golf played this afternoon, but they really had to work for it. It can be difficult, yeah. I mean, I still recall with a shudder walking up <laughs> the fourth fairway, I think, on the beach course um, last year into the wind and the rain and thinking, what the hell am I doing? <laughs> was it Drek? Is that the word? Drek. It was Drek, yes. But, uh, yeah, you're right. I mean, the, anything when you're playing golf by the sea, it can turn pretty quickly. Speaking of turning quickly, we're going to return quickly, Huggy. Did you like that? What a, yeah, what a lead into the next section. Beautiful. We'll take a quick break and we'll be straight back. Welcome back to Inside the Ropes, episode number 143, a special edition here from 13th Beach at the ISPS Hander Vic Open. Uh, we've rolled through the men's and the women's scoreboards. And, gentlemen, I can, um, I'm going to defer to you two on this because this is right up both of your alleys. Uh, it's the hottest topic in world golf, has been for a long time, but it really came to a boiling point this week, the distance debate. Go. I'll start, Huggy. I'll give you some material to work with. So we know this has been ongoing for a long time. Some people find it incredibly uninteresting. It has very big implications for the game. The USGA and the RNA have now made a statement that they won't be able to back off from. They've not laid out what they're going to do, but they've said, Huggy, it stops now. Increasing distance is bad for the game. And we want to uh, we want to stop it now. There's been all sorts of things said 
since then. We know there's going to be a political and ongoing issue, but I wanted to get your thoughts on that because I know when you read the report, after you read the first four parts, you thought it was one of your own stories. <laughs> well, I, I'm thinking about sending an invoice to St Andrews. <laughs> you know, I can think I speak for Mike Clayton and myself that we've been, we've written that report you know, many, many times over the last 10 years. I mean, they've basically just regurgitated what they've been getting told by certain members of the media. Give us some bullet points why it's important, Huggy. Why it's an important issue for the well, game, beyond just how people score and play. The well, game. the biggest victims are the golf courses, the, 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 the truly great golf courses that have been made obsolete, you know, over the years. I, I always think of Sunningdale near London in England. Uh, it's one of the, it's a classic, it's one of the world's best golf courses, and the pros can't go there anymore because it's deemed to be too short. Um, we're only talking about the top end of the game mm. here. We're not talking about the you know the game that we all play, no. which is completely has no. never been more different. Uh, one of the things that gets talked about a lot is the bifurcation, which mm -hmm. is the different rules for the pros and different rules for the amateurs. For me, that we've had bifurcation for a long time now, because the, which has been created by the inactivity of the authorities. I mean, they, by doing nothing, they've created bifurcation because the game, as I said that the pros play that we've just been talking about at this tournament, for example, the game they play now has never been more different from the one that we play. Yeah. So it's, it's in effect, bifurcation. Yeah. Hazy, I want to try and bring this... A lot of people say, oh, they don't care. Who cares what the pros do? It's really about the rest of us. To try to make it... or people, Help people understand. If you're a golf fan, to me, Huggy, we miss out as spectators in a world where, and the whole that everybody probably knows, the 15th at Augusta National, a par five there, in the 70s and the 80s, you got to watch Jack Nicklaus stand in that fairway and make a very difficult decision about whether he was going to try and hit that green across the water with a one iron, which only the very best can do under those circumstances, or perhaps lay it up. We don't get to see that anymore. And it would be equally entertaining if we got to see Rory and Dustin and Tiger in that same circumstance. We don't because we know that now it's a five or a six iron at most for those players. And so I feel like as golf fans, if you think about it in that way, that it makes it a bit more real. I'd like to see the players of today able to show off their skills. Well, yeah, you're right. I mean, the 13th hole at Augusta, with another par five over, over water for the second shot. Bobby Jones described the second shot as a, a momentous decision. And it's gone now. I mean, because they're hitting eight irons seven irons but where it used to be you know woods and long irons so it, it's 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 i've never understood why golf has been the only sport that has messed around with the venues to protect the equipment yeah. rather than the other way around in other sports we've seen plenty of examples in the javelin and tennis and athletics you know they've the swimming they changed the yes and we now see the you know the the running shoes that are being banned mm -hmm. in athletics because they're deemed to be there's a spring effect why has golf been different? I've never understood that. I, I think now the pressure is on the PGA Tour. Mm -hmm. Because... Which, for a fan of the PGA Tour, as you are, that's a pretty big thing to say. I know this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah let's, let's go with yeah there. I just... It's down to this one particular tour because um, it, it holds such that, you know, an incredible percentage of the spotlight of, of the global golf community to actually stand and do something that's good for the game, Huggy. Because, let's a, be honest, they haven't, ask they, haven't got a great track, they haven't got a great track record in that area, let's be honest. And if if they if their um, basic union structure says, we don't care about the good of the game, we're happy hitting it at five miles and we don't want to change and adjust to different technology, they won't do a thing 
and we'll just have this ongoing problem. Yeah, we, the the game, the PGA Tour is a perfect example. It's maybe a wee bit unfair to single them out, but the game has been dumbed down a, a, to a huge extent at the top level. I mean, I've written this this line a few times. I mean, nobody at the top level of the game now plays the game like Seve Ballesteros or Lee Trevino. That being the case, how can it possibly be better? It just can't be. I'll just say quickly, they're the internal discussions about golf. The external one is on a planet of finite resources, you cannot continue to grow the footprint of the game and expect that the rest of the community is just going to say that's okay. We're having enough trouble keeping the courses and the space that we've got right around this beautiful country and everyone who lives in inner city Australia knows a course that's under threat and, and we all don't want anything bad to happen to the grassroots of the game. Society is not better without golf. We'll just say that. True, true. We could talk about this all night and we're not going... (laughs) I think we've done pretty well to pull it up there and thank goodness Clayt wasn't a guest here. We we might have had struggle pulling up the reins there. We'll take another quick little break and we'll be back from 13th Beach. Welcome back to Inside the Ropes. Special Vic Open edition for ISPS Hand here at 13th Beach. A quick wrap-up of all the Aussie action around the world in the past seven days. Uh, we saw some incredible, uh, I guess we saw some not great results per se, but an incredible story from Maverick Ancliffe, who's here this week at 13th Beach playing in the Vic Open. Uh, was a, I think originally when the week started, he was a ninth alternate huggy to get into the field at the Saudi International. You're one of your... <laughs> Let's not start that. Love, love, that all night. Yeah. love it. Yeah, love it. At the Royal Greens Golf and Country Club in Saudi Arabia. Uh, Mav Ancliffe was, I think, ninth alternate to get into that field uh, last weekend. And he was in Augusta, where he went to college. He was having a hit of golf at his old collegiate practice range at 10 o'clock on Sunday morning. Thought, you know what? I'm going to try and go over there. Just on the off chance, I'll make it. He's gone up a couple of pegs. He's down, down to about seventh or sixth in the alternate standings. Books his flight at 10.30, flies to New York, uh, drives to Atlanta, flies to New York, Milan, Dubai, and was it Jeddah? Is that the name Jeddah. of the yeah. place where they That's flew right. to? Yeah. And there's a sick Frenchman in the field who pulls out and he gets a start on... Uh, te- he gets there on uh, Tuesday morning, having left the US on Sunday afternoon. Uh, gets a start, finds out on Thursday morning he's in. Finishes tied 52nd, which in and of itself is not, you know, a miraculous result. But he's mixing it with the best players in the world there. Some uh, Some big money showed out to get them there. Uh, 12,000 euros he picked up, which is a fairly good result from a massive gamble at Augusta. Did they cover the airfares? How many airfares has he got there? (laughs) It was a lot of flying to get there, and he's here this week. It's a great effort. He's going really well, Mav Ankle. It shows you how lucky he was, because the week before in Dubai, Jamie Donaldson, the former Ryder Cup player, was the first reserve and stood there all day, or for two days, and didn't, never got didn't get a hit. Yeah, it's amazing. So, that's, it's amazing. A John, that's called a John Daly. Yeah, I like that. that. Lucas Serbit was the uh, the highest place Australian there, tied 27th before he rocked down here to uh, to uh, the Vic Open. On the Corn Ferry Tour, a couple of really good results. Brett Druitt, um, the New South Welshman, continues to just impress when he needs to. Uh, tied 7th at the Panama Championship. Ryan Ruffles, uh, his first in his first couple of hits on the Corn Ferry Tour, looking pretty good. Great starting uh, round there at 65. 370s to finish, tied 15th. Harrison Endicott also back from injury made the cut, which was a good result on the Champions Tour. Uh, Rod Pampling, I cannot believe he's on the Champions Tour. <laughs> That'd make us. Mm, yeah, let's move yeah, on. Yeah, let's move on. <laughs> tied 8th in his first crack, I believe, on the Champions Tour. Uh, T10 for Stephen Leaney and 36 for the newly minted money machine, David McKenzie. He's going beautifully over there. And I guess we should mention Aaron Baddeley, 
uh, who's expecting his 436th <laughs> child, any tick of the clock, was the only Australian to make the cut there, T40 at the Waste Management Open in Phoenix. Yeah. So, um, Ryan Ruffle stands out to me there. He, yeah. he, he, that is the start of something. By the end of this year, yeah. that result might prove one very would, important. One would hope so. I mean, everybody roots for that yeah. kid because he's just so much fun to watch, or was. Yeah, good kid. Seriously good player. He will get there. So. Yeah, I believe so. Uh, I'll just give you some TV times for those at home who want to watch the broadcast of the Vic Open over the next three days. We've already missed Thursday, so let's start with Friday tomorrow, 7th of February, 3pm to 6pm on the ABC, uh, and 3pm to 6pm also on Fox Sports Australia. You can watch the broadcast on your computer, tablet or smartphone at the AB and other devices through the ABC streaming app iview saturday 1 30 till 7 p.m both abc and fox and on sunday 12 30 to 6 on the abc and 12 till 6 on fox sports australia I can highly recommend tuning in because it's a fantastic course to look at apart from the golf being good it's a terrific visual course particularly compared to some of what we've been watching in the desert in the u.s uh, of late. <laughs> and we've got a very special uh, addition to the for those who love inside the ropes and the australian open radio for Qatar Airways, we are cranking up for the very first time VO Radio on uh, on Saturday. We're gonna we're gonna go all guns blazing from one till seven on on Saturday, and then one till the or twelve thirty till the finish of play on Sunday. As Greg Oakford chimes in, he's been desperate to get on this podcast for months. Greg Oakford, <laughs> and he's finally stuck in the background there. Well done, mate. You've done well. <laughs> That's going to be great. So if you can't catch the broadcast on TV, yeah. uh, golf on the radio, a lot of people go, oh, how could that work? It sounds bad. If you've ever listened to cricket on the radio, you know what makes it good, and golf is the same. There's plenty of time to talk about other stuff in between the shots, so that's why it's good stuff. And yeah, we'll be true. Here, so and we'll be here, and a team of thousands will bring that to you. It'll be an absolute cracker. Looking uh, forward to it. It's going to be good, Huggy. You're going to play a key role. I'll be here. Clayton will be here, for those fans of Mike Clayton. Yep. He, he uh, and I are going to alternate back and forth. <laughs> He might still be caddying. He's on the bag. Yeah, well, Blake that's Collier. it. Blake Collier. That's, why, we, today, that's so. why I can't be too specific. I'll, I'll be here when he's not. And yeah. if you're interested in the distance debate, look up Clayton's story on the Vic Open Golf website today where he runs through the clubs that uh, Blake Collier hit into the various holes today. Yeah. Trust me, as a double-digit handicapper, it's an education. Yeah, <laughs> I don't want to look. It's probably going to frighten me. Anyway, that's about it, I think. John Huggin, thank you very much. My pleasure. Rod Murray, thank you kindly. Absolutely, my pleasure. I'm Mark Hayes. That's been episode 143 of Inside the Ropes. We'll be back tomorrow to do it all again.